Welcome to the Ketamine Wellness Center's podcast. We operate multiple ketamine clinics across the country and have been doing so for over several years now. We've performed over 14,000 ketamine infusions and have achieved excellent success rates in treating neuropathic pain conditions and treatment-resistant depression. I've got Kevin along with me once again. <laughs> Kevin is the CEO and president of KWC, and we're going to be talking about Spravato slash S-ketamine, and in particular, something that has raised the eyebrows of almost everyone on our clinical team, and it pertains to the prescribed dosing of Spravato slash S-ketamine. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and thanks, Jamil. Um, we've been looking at this information, and again, our goal here is to try to either present questions that we hope we will eventually get clarified, or try to clarify some of the misconceptions, you know, and I think this one, we still will need to be kind of a wait and see. But, you know, when I was reviewing, we received some data from Janssen Pharmaceuticals about this drug and, you know, how it should be dosed and, and prescribed. And the first thing that kind of jumped off the map at me was that it appears that the dosages are consistent. And consistent, that being said, is that the dose for the initial starting dose is 56 milligrams. And then subsequent doses would be 56 milligrams or 84 milligrams. So, so there is some variation to that. But what's curious to me is there's no reference in this information. There might be in some of the research, but I haven't been able to add an opportunity to read that yet. But there's no reference in regards to the size of the patient and their tolerance. You know, I'm a 250 pound, six foot six gorilla, and you're not, you know, sure. and, um, you know, is it, do, should I get 56 milligrams and somebody who's maybe 120 pounds get 56 milligrams? Because they are, they are talking about the dissociative effect that can occur with it and so forth. But it just kind of raise an eyebrow that, you know, nowhere consistently in medicine do you see static doses administered to patients. Case in point, if I, I currently take a, a beta blocker and uh, an antihypertensive medication, and I take 25 milligrams in the morning and 25 milligrams at night, there's many patients that I've treated over the last year, eight years or 23 years in my clinical experience that are on the same drug. And some are on the same amount. Some are on 50 milligrams twice a day. Some are on 100 milligrams. Um, you know, it's really dependent on their response to the different medications. And we see that all the time, you know, just in over-the-counter medications. If you take uh, two Tylenol, that might be effective for you, or two ibuprofen, that might be effective for your any kind of headache that you have. But I might need to take three, you know, just be whether or not it's my liver function, kidney function, or just how I metabolize it, my tolerance and all those kind of things. So it was, I was, what was curious to me is why the same dose for every patient, you know? Okay. Um, the other thing is that the National Institute of Mental Health, when they did their initial research, which again, I don't believe that information has ever been given out to the public, but everything reported that they did their research at 0.5 milligrams per kilo administered in an intravenous setting and replicated over a, a period of a course of treatments. Early on in our experience, 
starting eight years ago or so, we very quickly identified in working not only alone, but in collaboration with other ketamine providers that were doing it at the time, that many times patients required a increased dose in ongoing treatments. So if they got 0.5 milligrams on their first infusion, many times they needed to get 0.55 or 0.6 milligrams on their second or third infusion. Not everybody needs to go up, but some patients do develop that level of tolerance and it does require that additional amount for that patient to get the appropriate indicated response. So nowhere in the current induction phase or the maintenance phase does the dose ever consider weight or does it ever exceed the prescribed 84 milligrams, which appears to be the top dose? It's very rigid. It's very strict. It's very strict. And again, I'm, I'm not comparing exact same molecules, but there is providers out there in the United States that are currently doing intranasal ketamine. We did try it as a company early on in our clin our small clinical studies. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. It's been around for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ketamine can be, it's a powder. So it can be compounded into any kind of delivery mechanism. It can be compounded into a lozenge, which usually is prescribed for chronic pain. It can be prescribed as a intramuscular injection. It can be intranasal, those kind of things. So, you know, as long as you have a reputable compounding pharmacy and a prescription, um, you can get it. it ketamine, the current ketamine molecule um, uh, prescribed for you in that manner. We tried intranasal ketamine on many of our patients that were successful with the IV, and we found a host of problems. The biggest challenge was benefit and finding consistent dosing. You know, for example, we may have a patient who uh, did tremendously well and showed promising results at 50 milligrams IV ketamine. They came in for a maintenance follow-up for intranasal. It was not uncommon for us to have to give anywhere from 100 to 150 milligrams to get the same level of dissociative effect that we got at the 50 milligrams. Mm -hmm. We also ran into some situations where there was pretty extreme nausea due to the fact that the patient, it you know had a horrible taste and it ended up in their in their stomach in the back. So we had to start an IV anyways to give them some anti-nausea medication because the nausea was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, we had one patient who actually lost his sense of smell and taste for three days. Wow. Now again, I'm not saying that that. That was with our trial with the ketamine in its generic form. Sure. I don't know whether or not they had any of those issues with S-ketamine or uh, Spermio. So I, I don't want to muddy the water that way. But from our experience with the generic version of S-ketamine, the intranasal dosing had to be very aggressive to get the results that we were getting when we were administering it intravenously. Right. So... Is there anything to the idea, and I'm of course not coming from a clinical background, so I'm just sort of putting this out there. Is there anything to the idea that, you know, not everybody's, since it is intranasal, not everybody's, you know, once you get in there into the nose, it's not all the same, right? People have different conditions up there. People might, different people might absorb it in, oh. in different, in different amounts. Right. Absolutely. But it could be quite a variable sort of delivery method. Yeah. And that's been, that, that was our kind of decision why we stepped away from intranasal ketamine, not only the side effects, but the lack of efficacy 
and maybe it was anatomy related, maybe it was our dispensing mechanism. May, there was a lot of variables with that. When you get with ketamine given intravenously, it's very precise. You know, Dr. Murphy orders that dose specifically for that patient, administered over the optimal time, and then it's adjusted based on that patient's response. But we know if we're giving them 50 milligrams, they're getting all 50 milligrams with the intranasal we didn't know what actively really got yeah. into their system. Could be 45 milligrams, could be 30. I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's just hard to get. Yeah, and ketamine, ketamine has a very short half-life. It's very quick. It's mm -hmm. very quick to respond so that, you know, if you don't kind of get it to the optimal dose for the right amount of time, you're really kind of losing the, the benefit and the efficacy of the drug. So right. I'm, again, curious to know as they do some of this research and gather data, because again, it's brand new, whether or not they see different protocols uh, evolving out of Spravato and S-ketamine and, and determining that for some patients, they'll need to go higher, for some patients, they'll need to go lower, similar to what we see with the current IV administration with ketamine. Right, and if it ever makes sense for them to move into a, a, pres a prescribed dosing that actually takes into account someone's physiology in regards to their weight, their right. height. Or really, uh, possibly the idea, I don't know whether or not this could even happen, is S-ketamine be able to be administered intravenously. Oh, through IV, yeah. You know, so because, if it, again, if they're finding that the benefits aren't there, and if it is, it, what I've read is it still is a powder form. Can it be... Can it be repackaged sure. into an IV component that can be then titrated like the current medication, uh, the generic version? Huh. Yeah, I never thought of that. So. I mean, to us, that makes sense. But also to, you know, everyone, the public who are not nerdy about the stuff like we are. I mean, <laughs> right. that would it would seem that would just maybe further confuse yeah. people about <laughs> what, right. what to seek. <laughs> we're trying to clarify it and we're just bringing up more questions just to make it more confusing. Well, you know, to the average person, this stuff is pretty confusing. So hopefully yeah. we're doing a little bit to, to sort of clarify some of this. Right. Um, yeah. So any other thoughts on uh, the prescribed dosing? No, no. I'm just kind of curious to see, you know, once they kind of get through their clinical trials or okay. not through their trials, but their initial series of, of patients, out. kind of the rollout and see, see what happens with that. Yeah, this one was definitely a head scratcher amongst most of our team. So yeah, yeah, we're still sure. scratching our heads. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for tackling this topic today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Just search for Ketamine Wellness Centers on any podcast app. And if you could rate and review us on iTunes specifically, that would be awesome. Thanks a lot.